the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. If you've been listening to Exploring the Word for any time frame, you know we've been praying, God, send a revival. Well, we're seeing the the roots of it, the beginning of it in Asbury University in Wiltmore, Kentucky. If you listen to the top of the news, we've had people there that they're reporting what God is doing, and we're trusting God to just that it might spread. The newscast said that there's possibility of 22 other colleges, and most of them are, are Christian universities, that they're seeing the possibility. So we're praying for that. Put that on your prayer list. Alex McFarland, Bert Harper here. Alex, uh, we have been doing this program over 10 years together now. And I'm telling you, at the very beginning, 10 years ago, you and I said, Lord, send a revival. I'm trusting God. God, do this great work that is started in Asbury University, and may it continue and may it spread. Amen. Well, you know, this is wonderful. And, Bert, I know a lot of people today might be having Wednesday night church. I I hope your church has a Wednesday night service. And pray for revival. And, Bert, as I'm reading about the Asbury revival of 2023, praise God, they say it began with a call to confession of sin. And do you know all the great works of God and, and different places have experienced different works, but some of the commonalities, when there's a true move of God, there is going to be repentance of sin. Uh, You might say personal holiness, but even as born-again believers, born-again Christians saved, but we still need to come to a place frequently where we get before God and we say, oh Lord, purify my heart. Lord, forgive me, cleanse me, fill me, use me. And I think it's very significant that this wonderful work of God that's been going on for over a week now in Kentucky, it began with a call to the confession of sin. And we're going to pray right now. So you listening, you can join us in prayer. Father, we're thankful for what is taking place there in Wiltmore, Kentucky. We're asking God that you would just do that work deep. We've heard it's a deep work. It's it's spiritual, uh, Holy Spirit-driven. And we're trusting you, Father, to bring about good from this as, as news shares shared and it continues in other locations, in other universities, in other uh, towns. Uh, Father, in churches, as Alex said today uh, about prayer meetings tonight, may that be, be taking place in churches. And, and, Father, we're just trusting you with what, what you've given us, Father, there, People's tried to track revivals, and prayer is always a part of it. Confession of sin is always a part of it. But we never know who the leaders might be. And, and Father, we just trust you that you're the leader, that the Holy Spirit, your Holy Spirit, will just guide, direct, and lead us. Father, do that deep work. We desperately need it here in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Alex, let me say this. There's one verse. We're in Proverbs 18, and I thought, well, this verse has something to do with that, and it's verse 10. Now, that doesn't mean I need to skip all the way through the 9, but verse 10, the name of the Lord is a a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. Listen, he is. We need to run to him, ask him to do that work of forgiveness of sin, of his direction in our lives. Listen to it, underline it, highlight it. It is, again, Proverbs 18, verse 10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run to it and are safe. Alex, uh, what a verse, and it is a strong verse. He is a strong tower. Um, If you're going to run somewhere, you better run to him, hadn't you? Absolutely. You know, Bert, as you read that verse, uh, in your mind, can you hear that song, that praise song, The yes. Name of the Lord is a Strong Tower? Yes, that's what uh, I thought of as well, yes. Exactly. So, you know, Proverbs uh, 31 chapters, and so many of these chapters are somewhat brief, and this one is just two dozen verses, but it is so full of truth, and we're going to do our best to unpack some of this. Um, 
Let me read verse 2. It says, A fool hath no delight in understanding, but that his heart may discover itself. Very interesting. Um, Not teachable, not open to something new, just narcissistic, self-centered. His heart is just focused on itself. But understanding, Bert, there has to be teachability. And it's basically saying if we're not teachable, then we are fools. Verse 3 says, When the wicked cometh, then cometh also contempt, and with ignominy, ignominy, that's ignominious means like unknown, and ignominy, reproach. In other words, somebody being dismissive of you. You don't matter. You're nobody. Well, isn't that something? Contempt. Dismissing people, yes. reproach, that's wickedness, isn't it? It really is. Now, I know you didn't read verse 1, but I want to connect. I don't know if you connected this. I did uh, verse 1 with verse 24, the first and the last. Notice, a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. Now, that's before I read the last part of it. Now, read the first part or of 24. A man who has friends must himself be friendly but there's mm-hmm. a friend who sticks closer than a brother. The danger of isolationism, the danger of saying, I'm an island. I don't need you. I don't need the church. I don't need a small group. I don't need these. No, a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He's going to grow selfish and greater, and, and it's unwise. But friendliness, uh, you know, being with a group that you share with, and I'm talking about a right group that you can uh, hold yourself accountable, and then all those verses that you just read, Alex, each one of them uh, help us hold ourselves accountable when we have others around us. They can they can identify the foolishness of our hearts, can't they? Well, they can, and I mean, look so often about the words we say, what comes out of our mouth. Verse 4 talks about the words of a man. Uh, Verse 6, a fool's lips enter into contention. Verse 7, a fool's mouth. Verse 8, the words of a talebearer. So Proverbs, we've noted it a number of times, has a lot to say about what we say. But let me uh, point out just a couple of things here. Uh, Verse 7 says that a fool's mouth is his destruction and his lips are the snare of his soul. Verse 8, the words of a talebearer are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. I know you've heard that little verse, words are seeds that start to grow, so be careful what you sow. Again, why is there such a connection between words and either blessing or damage? It's because words, for one thing, words do carry power, but words are reflective of what is in our soul and our character. It really does. It comes out. You open your mouth, and you'll reveal something about yourself, you know? And uh, so that's, God, I've heard it, and my parents told me, God gave you one mouth and two ears for a reason, Bert. And uh, be careful what you do say. And But notice this, the tailbearer. I, I just want to share this. And listen, gossip is a sin. And, and we need to Amen. know that. And I'll, I'll just tell you, I think we desperately as Christians need the guidance of the Holy Spirit of when to share certain things and when not to. Just because it's true does not mean you need to share it. And I've heard it said, well, this is true. I'm not lying. A tailbearer is not necessarily speaking something that is untrue. It could be true, but it's damaging and it's unnecessary. So be careful. Sometimes, Alex, you have to share it. You have to let others know. It has to be a warning. And, and, and so I, I know of no way apart from the Word of God and the Holy Spirit in our lives to help us to know to what we say at those certain times, what to say and what not to say. Do you, do you think uh, mm. I'm going too far with that? or do No, you, I, I think you're right. And, and listen, it, it's... It is the leading of the Holy Spirit that can guide us to know what to say and how to say things, but it's also grace, you know, and it is a beautiful thing, and I've known people, uh, one of whom is Dr. Dobson. Uh, Bert, I've known some uh, dear Christian men, 
and decades of walking with the Lord had groomed them to have the wisdom. They knew what to say. They knew how to say it. Even, and again, this is a beautiful thing. I was, I'll tell you, Angie and I were in a restaurant back at Christmas, and I couldn't help but overhear. I wasn't eavesdropping, but it was it was the boss having to gently reprimand an employee. And it was an older Caucasian man. And I'll just tell you, the employee was a young person um, that at first I thought they were going to get angry at the guy. But the guy was so gentle, and it, this was a secular restaurant, and, and I could see the person's countenance softening, and they were listening, and they had a teachable moment, and the boss reprimanded this employee. He said, but look, I'm for you, and I want to pray for you, and you're going to do good. Well, after it was over, I walked over to this man, and I said, sir, forgive me. I, I surely wasn't trying to listen, but I want to tell you, my wife and I just witnessed a master class in how to deal wisely and redemptively with somebody. And, Bert, the reason I'm sharing this is, in life, sometimes we we need correction. Sometimes we have to administer correction. But is it not a beautiful thing when the Spirit of God has shaped a, an individual so that they can do it and it builds bridges, it doesn't burn a bridge, and correction is put out there, but it's done so the person is built up and, and redeemed. Isn't that just a beautiful thing? It is, and it, and we covered that in chapter 15. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. We need the grace of God in our speech, in our thoughts. We need to demonstrate that. We not only expect it, but we need to demonstrate it. And then in verse 9, you're talking about the workplace. Verse 9 it says, he who is a slothful in his work is a brother to him who is a great destroyer. And mm. so tearing something down, you remember it talked about the woman who tears her own house down? Destruction work, slothful work is destructive. And so here in this Proverbs 18, I, I just looked over it, and it is more diverse in just about every area. Talk about the words, talks about your work, talks about your friendships talks about so many so many things but guess what's in common in order for you to proceed you need to do it with grace he is a strong tower he is strong if you're wise you'll run to him and you will find grace and you're to demonstrate that grace alex and i'll be back with more of proverbs 18 right after this break This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Bill Haggerty, Senator from Tennessee. He is the state's junior senator and the former U.S. Ambassador to Japan. 1 Peter 4.10 reminds us of the qualities of a good leader. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Senator Bill Haggerty as he represents the people of Tennessee. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Dr. Tony Evans says God doesn't want to be part of your life. He has something bigger in mind. We'll discover what it is today as we spend two minutes with Tony. I got a call a number of months ago from former President George Bush. And he says, um, Tony Evans, I want to invite myself to lunch. Will you fix me lunch? Okay, how do you tell a former president, no, I don't have time for you, <laughs> given his position? Um, so we scheduled a time for him to come over and have lunch, and we didn't use paper plates. We didn't use chinette. We didn't use plastic forks and plastic knives. We had a tablecloth. We had china, because his position demanded that we don't give him leftovers. 
In other words, great care was taken because of who was coming to lunch. Well, God says, you don't know nobody like me. You don't know anybody who can do what I do, create what I can create. So don't come to me with your leftovers, given that I'm a great king and that I am a great God. So my challenge to you and me today is to let's take God off of the second shelf. Let's make him first in our affections, first in our consideration, first in our consultation, because he demands and deserves to be first, not to have leftovers. Learn to make God the priority he deserves and demands to be. Check out Tony's CD series, Kingdom Stewardship, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who take refuge in him. Nahum 1, verse 7. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. You know, there are so many nuggets of truth in the book of Proverbs, things like this. A brother offended is harder to be one than a strong city. That's Proverbs 18, verse 19. And these these truths of wisdom sink deep into our heart and spirit because they are from God. Proverbs is the Word of God, as is all of the Bible. And we're in Proverbs 18. We'd love for you to follow along with us. And then in a few moments, we're going to take your questions and your calls on today's edition of Exploring the Word. The number for questions we'll get to in just a few moments, but it's 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. And if you ever wanted to email Bert and myself or email a question in, you could do that at word at afr.net, W-O-R-D, word at afr.net. We'd love to hear from you. But Bert, before the break, we are um, going through Proverbs 18, and in verse 11 and 12, it says, The rich man's wealth is his strong city, and as a high wall in his own conceit. Before destruction, the heart of a man is haughty, and before honor is humility. Well, uh, when we think we've got it all and we think we're secure because there's money in the bank, yeah. uh, that's presumption and as the King James would say, haughtiness, isn't it? It really is. And again, Proverbs takes note. Now, notice when this comes. It comes after verse 9 when it talks about the slothful man in his work, and then it follows with a rich man's wealth, and he highly esteems himself and thinks he's protected. So here you have such a contrast, but it's two different verses in that contrast, Alex. And so this is the whole idea before destruction of the haughtiness uh, but before honor is humility. I underlined the last part of verse 12. God, mm. I, I don't know how else to say it. He hates pride and he loves humility. I can say that so, so truthfully, isn't it? In, in other words, it's an honorable thing to be humble. Now, humility is not saying poor me. Humility is recognizing who you are, recognizing your strengths and your weaknesses, and you recognize that it is good, it's from God. He has given us all good things. It's not, yes, we have a good work ethic. Guess what? Praise God, he's given me the health in order to do that. Thank God that that I have food on the table. Praise God, he's given me the capacity to work and to buy. And so, listen, it comes from God. And in all humility, our reliance is upon him and not ourselves. When we start relying upon ourselves, we're going to find out we're going to come up short in every way, the glory of God and everything else, Alex. Mm. You know, uh, verse 14, well, 13, I don't want to miss 13, says, He that answers a matter yes. before he hears it, it is folly and shame unto him. Uh, you can't form an accurate opinion unless you listen first yep. and get what's going on. Uh, Bert, I wrote... 
an article for the Billy Graham magazine a couple months ago, and it was about morals. And it was clearly about, uh, I'm concerned about our nation losing a moral compass, right? So I got a blistering letter over the weekend, and somebody said, uh, salvation is not by works, morality never saved anybody, and uh, Alex, I will see you at the judgment because you're under God's judgment for saying that we could be saved by morals. I didn't say that at all. I mean, and anybody who knows me, but the point is, I was saying, if if our nation doesn't have morals, we're going to have lawlessness, yes. which is true. But here's the thing. I know this guy didn't read the first paragraph of my article before he pulled out the pen to write this blistering critique. Yeah. He, he that you know, answers a matter before he hears it, it's folly. And so before we can respond, we have to really listen, don't we? We do. Now tie that in, if you would, to verse 17. Tie those in. This is what I noticed. They're separate, but yet there's ties in. He who answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and ashamed to him. Verse 13. Go down, if you would, to verse 17. The first one to plead his cause seems right until his neighbor comes and examines him. <laughs> In other words, you better be careful before you make a quick judgment. You better uh, surround yourself with information as you can. You might need to wait just a moment to hear what that neighbor has to say. So here it's not talking about necessarily what you say. Here, Alex, is talking about how you hear something. So hearing and speaking uh, they kind of, here, I believe the writer of Proverbs, Solomon, ties that in, doesn't he? Well, that's true. That's true. Hey, when you were in high school, did you read uh, 12 Angry Men or see that Henry Fonda movie? I saw the movie. It's one of my favorites. I love it. Yeah. That that reminds me yeah. of verse 17. Yeah, it does. The, the, fir- the first guy you hear, it might seem right, but then the neighbor comes and cross-examines and you drill down more deeply. And you remember in the 12 Angry Men, you know, one by one, the, the people thought through things and changed their vote. One by one. <laughs> yeah. Look yeah. at verse 18. The lot causeth contentions to cease and parteth between the mighty. Okay, here's the thing. A lot, back in the olden days, and I'm not saying we ought to do this now, Bert, but, you know, they would, they would like, draw straws. That's how they picked Matthias to replace Judas. Or a lot, what it was, it was something objective. Now, mighty, verse 18, there's strife between mighty people because it was my opinion versus your opinion, but there's something objective. And let me say, in our world today, Bert, the thing that rises above everybody's opinion, the objective, inarguable truth, it's God's revelation. I tell you what would cause contentions to cease in our day is if we'd submit to the authority of that that true, sure word, God's, God's Bible. Preach it, brother. Amen. One, one real quick comment about verse 16. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. I want to contrast that with verse 5. Again, here I am doing this. It, it just worked out this chapter. It is not good to show partiality to the wicked or to overthrow the righteous in judgment. Now, Again, there's a difference in a gift and a bribe, and those who give it need to know the difference. If you give a gift, guess what, Alex? It's given. It's no longer yours. The expectation, no, no, I just felt led. This is a gift. A bribe, no, you're trying to buy yourself off. You're trying to buy buy favor. But a gift given is a gift given. And when you receive it, you receive it and say, okay, this is it. Do I owe that person anything for for that? The answer is no, except thank you and gratitude, not favor. And so contrast the difference in gift and bribes. I think that's an important aspect here in Proverbs uh, 18. It it really is. It really is. Uh, And, uh, you know, verse 16, uh, if you've ever tried to get a seat at a a table in a crowded restaurant, and they say, you know, there'll be an hour wait, but if you uh, give the maitre d' a 5 or 10 or $20 bill, a man's gift makes room for him. It's amazing 
how soon a table opens up <laughs> if you're willing to tip the maitre d'. That's Proverbs eighteen sixteen. if you're ever in a restaurant. But uh, verse 19, a brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. You know, that is really true. You know, the best way is to always uh, not offend people if you can. You know, Bert, um, it's grace and forgiveness is a wonderful thing, but family members, uh, when there's been a break, fence mending, it can be done with God's help, but but mending fences can be a real challenge. Alex, uh, Jan and I, when we do conference, one of the things I share is the attitudes and the heartaches and even I'm talking about physical areas, attitudes, diets, addictions. Most of them come from two areas, disappointments and unhealed broken relationships. And Mm. here it is, a brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. Be quick, be quick to try to find that healing in that relationship. Sometimes it cannot, but you don't have to go away in anger and bitterness Unhealed, broken relationships does harm to the mostly to the person who who is holding the grudge and the bitterness. It does more. Have you ever heard uh, unforgiveness and bitterness is an acid that destroys its own container? You know, it's like drinking Brilliant. poison yes. and expecting someone else to die. No, this passage makes it very plain. Uh, a brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. Uh, sometimes. That separation is going to be there. That division is going to be there. But be quick to try to restore and receive that person if it's possible, Alex. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, Look at uh, verse 21, and this is like in the book of James. It's also in Matthew 12. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Okay, back in the previous verse, verse 20, a man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth, and with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. Now, um, this is not talking about uh, people that speak for a living, and that's how they make their salary necessarily. But Bert, uh, the right use of words is reflective of character, and character is reflective of work ethic. I mean, really. And uh, if you have character and work and you know how to get along with people, you're going to be able to succeed. You're going to be able to, um, you know, make it in life. Uh, And, of course, I'm presupposing that you're trusting God and you're leaning on the help of God. But related to what we say and how we treat people, and there is a relation because of our character, go, go to verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Bert, that is so true. Words can build up. Words can tear down. In fact, uh, relationships can be nurtured or relationships can be killed based on the way we talk to people. That little song that we teach preschoolers, be careful little tongues, what you say, uh, it, it is from the very, very beginning, harsh words. Parents speaking to their children. Uh, you know, brothers and sisters speaking to one of the friends. And that example you gave about the, the supervisor in that restaurant uh, talking to the employee who had done something wrong but doing it in a gracious way, think through that. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. I know teachers, uh, you know, if you're a teacher, don't don't berate one of your students and say, you'll never amount to anything. Listen, oh, my word. They may, they may live down to your expectations. Be careful what you say. And, and I don't mean to go backward, but at verse 6, folks, now think about this, because, look, we all can, in the heat of the moment, say things, things that, you know, oh, boy, I let them have it. But look at verse 6. A fool's lips enter into contention, and his mouth calleth for strokes. Now, what does that mean? Uh, In other words, let's get them, let's fight. Uh, I've heard people angrily say things, you know, that if that guy does one more thing, I'm going to sue him. Or, you know, the supervisor that I mentioned earlier might have said, well, I'll just fire this employee. You you know what would, in in the long run, be more cost-effective? Um, Build the relationships you've got. Amen. Um, when when that friend that's in your life, 
let me ju- I'm just going to say this. The, the financially, spiritually, emotionally, all things considered, fix your marriage. Don't walk out. And that brings um, us to verse 22, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it, it does. It does. Bert, I think what God is saying here, grace, redemption, uh, bearing up, going slowly before you act out, it'll pay dividends, won't it? It really will. Verse 22, after that us all said words, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. What an opportunity. And don't be in a hurry. Be careful uh, how quick you say something. Be careful, how, you know, uh, in your choice of mates and uh, just just follow God. Now, we're yeah. coming close to the end, but uh, Alex, we just, we, you and I can testify to verse 22 about finding a good wife. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I, I've amen. met Angie and you did good, brother. <laughs> Listen, I'm I'm going to tell you um 99% of everything good that's ever happened to me in my life is due to Angie. Now, she would say it's due to Jesus and that is true, but the Lord does it through the wife. Men, I'm going to tell you Second only to salvation, men, listen, the greatest gift Jesus will ever give you, second only to your salvation, is a godly wife. Amen. So Jan, he, I'm in the same boat as you're in. I'm just going to put in here and I'm not and testify. Listen, uh, Jan has been such a stronghold, but been that advisor that I needed. I, oh I find word. out most of the time when I haven't heeded her warnings, I've paid the price, not because yeah. of her, but because of the dumb decision I made. So uh, finding a good wife, what what a treat. Amen. Verses 23 and 24. And by the way, I know we have a lot of people on hold, and we will do our best to get to your calls. Hang on, folks, and we're going to get to calls in a moment, 888-589-8840. It says, the poor uses entreaties. But the rich answers roughly. Yeah. In other words, the 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 poor person who knows they can't buy their way into something, they're going to be you know deflective and polite. But the the rough person, uh, the rich person, talks roughly to people. A man that has friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Now, who is that? Who you. is that friend? It's the dear Savior, isn't it? What a way to end. Psalm 18. Now, those two things, real quickly, I'll do it before we go. He is a strong and mighty tower. Run to it. There's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. It is none other than God himself and the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, we're going to come back with your questions. We're anxious to answer them if we can. AFA is no longer dependent on Facebook or YouTube to live stream our original programming. As of now, American Family Radio shows like Today's Issues, The Core, Airing the Addisons, and The Hamilton Corner are streaming live on the AFA streaming app. Independent live streaming is the next step as we come out from among them and separate ourselves unto the Lord. Search AFA Streaming or visit streaming.afa.net to sign up. Hello, I'm Don Hawkins, here to tell you about Encouragement Live. 55 minutes of industrial strength radio encouragement featuring resourceful guests plus practical biblical insights to help you face life's challenges. We'll be taking your phone calls. So plan to join us for Encouragement Live, Saturdays at 7.05 p.m. Central, 8.05 p.m. Eastern, here on American Family Radio. In a world where no one can tell us no. To this day, every human being born on this planet is the product of a male and a female. That's the way God set it up. God created us in His image. A place where Facebook and YouTube have no control. I think the command in Scripture relative to men and women is not mainly women sit down, but men stand up, act like men, lead as you're supposed to. A place where we can no longer be canceled. When the scripture speaks, God speaks. And if you understand that rightly, then everything else simply falls into place. The American Family Association presents the AFA streaming platform. 
Just visit streaming.afa.net for the latest films, documentaries, and AFA original productions. You'll even find videos from some of your favorite talk shows. All you have to do is create a free account at streaming.afa.net. Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. After Jesus resurrected their brother, Lazarus, Martha and Mary hosted a dinner party in their Bethany home. You can imagine the excitement and the buzz that swirled through the town and the number of people who came because the rabbi had returned. Martha busied herself with preparations. Mary sat at Jesus' feet, basking in his teaching. Life's demands can easily consume our focus. But one thing is necessary, that we remain at Jesus' feet anchored in his word. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. You are the light, so when the darkness falls, the greatest heights, they never seem so tall, no, not at all, you're right. It's my roots that you're growing, don't want to miss what you're showing. Ain't no doubt about you. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Bertie and Alex with you today, and we're so thankful. We're praying for the Asbury Revival continues, but we're also praying for those people in Turkey and Syria. I just checked it before I came into the studio today. The death toll, unbelievably, 41,000 plus. Oh, my goodness. And I'm so, so Alex, yes, it is. And so be praying. Again, Samaritan's Purse on the ground, other ministries on the ground. And they will make a difference both physically and spiritually. So be praying for that. Alex, we need wow. to go to the phone. we got a lot of phone calls, so we're going to go to them, aren't we? Where did we go to well, first? Well, first of all, Janet in Texas. Janet, I think you were holding yesterday, and we wanted to be sure to give yes. you a chance. So thanks for calling back, and welcome. Well, Shirley, I'm sorry. Um have a little frog in my throat there, I think. You're doing <laughs> uh, fine. The thing of it is, I want to tell you, uh, y'all have a wonderful program, and I thank you very much. And I thank the Lord that you and that the two of you, the you men, uh, have such blessed marriages. Uh, I'm going through a divorce, and I have biblical reason to do so, but there have been a, a lot of things going on through the years. And there's a verse that I had thought about yesterday, and it's on my mind today, and it fits right, right in with what y'all are talking about. Uh, first of all, I want you to know I have forgiven my husband. And I do pray for him, and please pray for him that he will come to the Lord. Because he had a heart attack later after I filed for divorce. and uh, But he was doing the same things, and uh, he was actually got caught. And the thing of it is... Uh, he ended up having a really bad heart attack. And uh, he told me after he got out of the hospital, he said, you know, Janet, I think I'd have gone to heaven if I'd have died because I've done this good, this good, this good. And I said, nope. I said, it's for by grace are you saved through faith that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not as a result of any works with any man should boast. Amen. And I said, you can do a lot of good things, but that does not take the sin out of your life. But the verse I wanted to point to today is that Matthew at twelve thirty four? It says, "Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh." And if you want to build up any relationship, uh, you will speak. You will make sure that you're following the Lord first of all, and that He will help you to know how to respond in every situation. That you need to make sure your heart is in line with Amen. what God has. For you, Amen. and that what you say out of your mouth is what God will lead you to lead you to say. But there's a book, Loving Respect, by Dr. Emerson Eggerts, and oh, yeah. um, it's a very, it very, is, very good it. book. It is. Thank you for that. That. Let me say this about the heart. You hit it on the head. Uh, do you remember when f- computers first started coming out? There was a saying, Alex: "Garbage in, garbage out." 
Yes, yes. Put that in your life, in your heart. Your innermost being is what that means. Garbage in, guess what's going to come out? It's going to come out. So be careful. Be careful what you take in. Be careful what you hear and receive. And so, yes. Alex, I think Janet, and we, Janet, thank you for sharing that truth about you're going to be saved by grace through faith. It's Amen. right on, Ephesians isn't it, Alex? 2, 8, and 10. That's right. God bless you, Janet. Bob in Ohio. Bob, thanks for holding, and you're on Exploring the Word. Yeah, uh, I have a prayer request. My granddaughter is uh, sick. She's been in the hospital for a week now, and they, she can't hold food down. And um, they've done a lot of tests. They haven't figured anything out, and they're going to be putting a feeding tube in. Golly. So uh, prayers. What what's her name? Miranda. Bob, could we have her first name? Miranda. 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 Okay, here's what we want everybody to do. Write down the name Miranda. And then we want to pray, bombard heaven, especially for the next twenty four hours, and then continue to pray for her. Alex, uh thank God for people calling in for prayer yes. quit, especially for a grandchild. Yes. That, Bob, thank you for sharing that. And and we we're, we're gonna unite and agree in prayer. On behalf of Miranda, Miranda, and those doctors will know what to do, and they'll they'll know how to fix what's wrong Amen. with God's help. God bless you. Well, uh, this is Michael in Mississippi. Michael, thanks for holding. Welcome to the American Family Radio Network. Hey guys, um, appreciate everything I'll do. Uh, I'll get to the point. Uh, one of my best friends is Catholic, and I'm Southern Baptist, and we have some awesome discussions about how we can work together and do things, especially against abortion. And, um, you know, we'd like to see more of that happen. But something came up yesterday, and he asked me, we were talking about all the woke pastors coming out and uh, us having some issues with some of the leadership. And uh, he made a comment saying that, you know, the Catholic Church didn't have that problem because we have a process of choosing leaders, and it's, um, you know, it's a checks and balances. And so he's like, so what kind of process do you have? And so I was like, well, we have ordination and stuff, but I just kind of want to get y'all's take on that, on that question, as far as a evangelical approach. Uh, what do we do to uh, make sure our leaders are the real teachers of, of the Word of God? Okay, Michael, great question. Alex, let me make this statement. Matter of fact, this very night, uh, I'm due to, I'm preaching through First First John. We're going to pray and, and preach through First John, and it deals with those false teachers and uh, the whole idea is what Christ. Now, what you have in Southern Baptist is the local church. Now, there is some things a denomination, uh, an association can do, a convention would do, but most of the time it is in a local church given that authority. Uh, and I, I don't, I'm not talking about all Catholics, and I'm not saying that, but uh, we they've gone with some Catholics and gone astray before. And uh, some of them have been dealt with, and some of them have they've been able to work around it. Alex, uh, it's true yeah. just about in every every situation, every kind of church. But every church has its own polity to deal with that, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I mean, really, you know, in in Ephesians four eleven and twelve, it says that God gave to the church pastors, teachers, evangelists for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. So there is. Clearly, you know, biblical sanctioning for those that are in full-time ministry. But what are we to minister? We are to minister the Word. Now, First uh, Timothy 4.2, Paul says to Timothy, here is the, the minister's primary job, preach the Word. And so whenever somebody deviates, whether it's, you know, in years past we used to talk about liberalism, and here we might say somebody goes woke, uh, there has to be accountability. And, Bert, I, I think that the, the church that employs clergy or the denomination that ordained clergy or the, the Christians around and certainly ministers, we need to hold each other accountable. And, Bert, um, have you ever had to have a kind of a come-to-Jesus talk with a fellow pastor or minister? I, I have, yeah. and, and we always, one or two or three together— and by the way, I, I'm not going to name names, but I, I can think of a couple of ministers on the national stage that need to have a little 
Nathan David moment. Did, what am I saying when I'm talking about Nathan and David? <laughs> you are the man. Uh, yeah. How you like the prophet going to the king and saying, here's what it's laid out. And again, he did it similar to the way you did until he got to that point. And he talked about it, gave him a word picture. Gary Smalley was all talking about men. Said if men can understand a word picture, it helps them tremendously. And then Nathan says, you're the man that did this. And David repented. And so, but what you want to do in looking at false teachers, the main thing, it's all centered in Jesus Christ, who he is, what he did, where he is, what he's doing, what he's going to do, what he taught concerning everything, salvation to marriage, to identity. It's all centered in Jesus Christ because they came to Jesus and said, we would see the Father. And Jesus said, do you not understand that when you have seen me, when you have heard me, you have seen and heard the Father? That is the truth. So it's in Jesus Christ, and so we're desperate for that. Thank you so much, Michael. Great question. Uh, Shirley in Arkansas. Shirley, welcome to Exploring the Word. Um, my question is partially Bible and partially church history. Uh, there was someone in the early church fathers, uh, either the church fathers or the early part of church history, that explained the Trinity as being like a corporation. I have heard this in the past, but I've forgotten who it was. Can you tell me? I, Alex, you'll have to take that one on. I don't know. There, there was a guy in the 50s named Adolf Berl, B-E-R-L-E. I really don't know that much about his theology, but he was commenting on Augustine's City of God. Now, City of God was written about 1,600 years ago. And Augustine, by the way, I want to recommend a book by the late Norm Geisler, G-E-I-S-L-E-R. Dr. Geisler was a really brilliant theologian. He was a Baptist, but he was a, a brilliant guy, and he wrote a book called What Augustine Says. And it was basically an entry level, you know, if you want to understand the great thinker Augustine. And Augustine um, tried to explain the Trinity. Well, in the 50s, there was a man named Adolf Burl who said, you know, a corporation has maybe the board of directors, maybe the president, and maybe the, the you know, the cabinet. And the president serves at the pleasure of the board, but the cabinet serves at the pleasure of the president. Um, and he was trying to, you know, help people understand there's the Father, uh, and the Son does the will of the Father, and the Spirit draws people to the Son. I, I, I kind of get that illustration, um, but I don't know that it's a perfect illustration, Bert, because I really don't know that there is a completely adequate um illustration of what the trinity is father son holy ghost i i agree with you a lot of times you can illustrate their ministries you you call and what that just did but not who they are all in one that yeah they're a corporation uh but let me just say this and we now go to the next caller i those mysteries that i cannot completely understand like the trinity the working of the sovereignty of god and and the free will of man, I, I don't, I can't completely understand how they work together, but I know they do because God teaches that and he demonstrates mm -hmm. that. So that in place of me driving away, uh, it drove me into him, Alex. That's all mm -hmm. I can say that we have a God that's bigger and better than we could even ask or imagine. And that's who our God is. Uh, we're going to go to Jerry in Mississippi. Jerry, you're on Exploring the Word. Yes, hey, Dr. Dr. Alice and uh, Brother Bird, how are you all doing? Good, good, well, good to man. hear from you. Yes, uh, the question I have regarding uh, Deuteronomy 30, 19, where the Lord said, choose life instead of death, and we know that there's a lot of uh, chaotic, uh, death-challenging things going on in this uh, nation and world of ours. Uh, how how can you differentiate between what is satanic and what is not? Is is there a certain line that's drawn before you can differentiate the difference? Okay, thank you, Jerry. Alex, you go first. I've got a thought, but you go ahead first. 
Uh, well, First John two twenty two talks about the spirit of Antichrist that is in the world, uh, denying that Jesus is God incarnate. I, Bert, I've heard celebrities say something like, um, "Jesus is not the only way to heaven," and uh, Alexandra Ocasio Cortez was just bashing the uh, Christian commercials that ran during the Super Bowl. That's the mindset of Antichrist. There is coming an Antichrist, but the mindset of Antichrist. And there are some things that are clearly righteous, some things that are clearly unrighteous, and then some things that are just amoral. You know, uh, do you uh, drive this car or do you drive that car? Well, I don't know that it necessarily matters. But, um, Bert, when it comes down to the identity of Jesus, freedom of religious expression— and moral boundaries. I mean, those are some hard and fast rules that with our life and, frankly, with our vote, we need to stand for, don't we? We really do. And I, I heard this, and I've, I've noticed it. Satan loves to work undercover, and he does. But many times, it's according to where you are and what people want, where an individual is. When I say you, I'm talking about an individual, where they are. I mean, he is blatant in who he is many times. In our day, uh, I mean, the whole identity of, of, of who Satan is, that they would even have one that they're worshiping and they're having a gathering of Satanist and, and worshiping him. And so some of it is obvious as it can be. Alex, the others is my sheep know my voice and they follow me. Knowing God, the way you do is get into the Word of God, Jerry. Stay in the Word of God. And it's not the letter of the law. It kills, but the Spirit gives life. The Spirit of which Jesus Christ shared, the Holy Spirit guiding us. Alex, I really do believe you can differentiate uh, what Satan and, and God are up to. And yes. uh, and I still say, I'll go back, and you said it earlier, if you'll make Jesus the centerpiece of everything uh, through the Word of God, uh, you'll you'll be on the right track. I can tell you that. Well, uh, it, yes, exactly. And and by the way, um, I see we have Edgar from Maryland. Edgar, I'm not sure we can do your call justice. We only have a few seconds, so I'm please. I beg of you, call tomorrow, and we'll do our best to get you on. Uh, before the break, um, I was talking with some friends about the need for biblical literacy, folks. If you want to, just like Proverbs says, uh, we want to have contentions cease and we'll all be singing off the same sheet, then let's agree that the Bible will be our authority. The Word of God is our source and our authority. And Bert, uh, that would iron out so many wrinkles, wouldn't it? It really would. That's the reason back in the Founding Fathers, the education system, it was McGuffey's Reader. Do some research on McGuffey's Reader, and you'll find about the Bible and the philosophy. It was taught in the public classroom. This is what you need to know. And uh, But we have so many voices today that are antichrist. Know Jesus. Follow him. Get into the Word. And that biblical literacy will lead you to truth. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.